When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk recruiting show. We have still not come up with a more creative name for a recruiting podcast, so we'll stick with recruiting show. Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman of Cleveland.com here. Uh, we do a weekly Ohio State football podcast that I hope you guys listen to. Uh, this is our recruiting podcast that we'll do every other week um, leading up till around National Signing Day. Then we'll ramp it up and, and probably go weekly uh, once recruiting moves more to the forefront. But with the season going on, we figured we'd check in every other week. Uh, and this week, uh, some interesting, I guess it's news, if you want to call it that. Um, I got excited about it. This is recruiting. Let's get excited. <laughs> NCAA proposals on on two pretty major recruiting issues, uh, one being satellite camps and the other being an early signing period. Now, these are proposals. They have not been voted on yet. They'll be voted on in the spring. Um, But if they're voted on and approved, we're talking about two major changes to the way that uh, recruiting is done. Um, And Ari, I don't know. They're both interesting. Which one do you want to talk about first, the the early signing period or the satellite camps? The early signing period we'll do second because I find that one to be more interesting. I think that uh, satellite camps is something that we spent a lot of time talking about the last year or so, yeah. and I don't know if there's going to be wholesale changes in that. It might make it better for coaches um, and for players to have uh, something set up where they find themselves in the middle. So do you want me to go ahead and just say what the changes are going to be with satellite camps? That's what we're starting? Yeah, and I think that the thing to remember with the, the change for satellite camps, if you're an Ohio State fan, I don't think this really changes much how Ohio State's going to operate, but yeah, let people know what the proposed changes are because that only counts. Okay, so these are proposals that were made by the NCAA Division I Council, and they will be voting um, on them in February. Sorry, April um, of next year, so we don't have to really worry about whether they come true or not for another six months, but uh, in regards to satellite camps, the council's proposal is that a, a rule that would limit season, off-season football camps a 10-day period next summer. So they had two 15-day periods last year, which means they could go back-to-back the way I understand it and have an entire month like the Jim Harbaugh parade right. in, in June last year. So um, it's going to um, not – there was a time where people thought they were just going to get rid of satellite camps altogether, and for a temporary moment uh, they were gone. Um, they're still going to be able to happen. It's just the amount of time in which you can schedule them is going to be limited from about 30 days to only 10 days. So deregulation – um, I mean, the regulation of them, sorry, not deregulation, is huge. And the other major satellite camp change is that you have to be on a college campus when you do it. So no more days of Ohio State satellite camp at St. Thomas Aquinas, who happened to have Trayvon Grimes, and no more Michigan camps. They went to Antioch, California, because Najee Harris was there, and 
you know, there's a lot of... They did one here in Ohio. They did one at Warren, Warren Harding High School, and I believe they did one at Fairfield High School as well. But the, I think the biggest change is no more satellite camps that happen to be on campuses of prospects who are really good, which I think was kind of the drive on some of these high school ones. Yeah, and that's what made them feel almost a little bit phony. Like, it's all it's all recruiting, and there's a certain level of phoniness that always comes with it, but... It was pretty hard to sell people, I think, on it being a uh, being anything other than an in-person interview with a major prospect. Yeah, there happens to be two other kids, two hundred other kids there who are working out, but you're going to St. Thomas Aquinas because that's where Trayvon Grimes plays. You're not going because there's three hundred other kids there who are learning how to play football. So this kind of takes that element out of it a little bit, which I guess makes it seem on the surface anyway a little bit more above board. But like you said, this isn't going to have much of an impact on Ohio State. Ohio State was doing satellite camps in order to keep up with the times. It wasn't necessarily a necessity in Urban Meyer's head. So it's not that important from Ohio State's standpoint, but I do think that it it meets coaches halfway, and I, and I think this one's going to get passed, if I had to guess. Yeah, of the two, for sure. Um, I think it's a pretty safe – well, not a safe bet, but I, w- I would be surprised if it wasn't passed. Honestly. Because they tried to go through the extreme of getting rid of them altogether. There was a lot of uproar. But then they went the other way and gave them 30 days. I think meeting them in the middle is good because you still – there are arguments being made about kids having a chance to impress coaches from far away when they can't afford to unofficially visit. There is more exposure for the prospect, and it gives um, you know coaches a chance to recruit other areas uh, without having those kids have to come. So I think there is a benefit to it. I think what Jim Harbaugh did was absolutely insane last year. He was pretty over the top, and I think you'd find most college football coaches would not be on Harbaugh's side. They would want – a smaller window to hold these camps because though they are important for recruiting, they are a bit of a nuisance to college coaches. They're people. Yeah. They, they, they want to go uh, and spend a week on the the beach beach the way that we do. Um, a little body surfing. So that's the, okay. So let's go to the good one. Now, this is the one that urban Meyer has brought up voluntarily multiple times to us because he can't stand the idea of it. And that is, uh, the early signing period. And they have one in basketball, and Bill's more of a basketball recruiting expert than I am. But this proposal um, would create two 72-hour early football signing periods, which would give prospects a chance to officially join a program by signing a national letter of intent before February. Um, And those two 72-hour periods would be um, the last Wednesday in June, which is a summer signing period before a prospect's senior year. Mind you, official visits can't even happen until senior year. Right. So that would be a really early signing period. And then another one in mid-December um, before. So that's like three signing days in like th- in like a, what, five, five well, six-month period. Yeah, and that's the way you mentioned the basketball does have one. Basketball's early signing period is in November, and uh, the majority of basketball players take their official visits in the fall, like on home football weekends. So they, so have, they, they have already officially visited for the most part before they're signing, even if they're signing in the early period of November. And Urban Meyer hates this idea because Urban Meyer likes flipping kids late in the prospect when the five-star from California doesn't come. Um, But I do think that he has a point, um, and that is, and I'm going to read this quote. I keep hearing, this is what Urban Meyer had to say, I keep hearing about this early signing period, early access, and let's move everything up, but I still can't believe we're having this conversation. We are absolutely opposed to that. I hear the reasoning is because there are so many decommitments. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> so because 18-year-olds, excuse me, 17-year-olds are decommitting, let's give them a legal document that says they can't commit? That's not very smart. Young people have a right to choose where they want to go to school, period. Let them decommit 100 times. That's why they're 17-year-olds. I don't understand it. Whether it's lazy, whether it's, you know, I don't know, understand why there's a big push. 
Now they want to move junior, like junior year and have official visits during junior year. Some of these kids don't even have ACT scores yet. These bodies are gaining 18 pounds in their final year. Why not move it back to the sophomore year? It's bizarre. You're going to see more transfers and more mistakes made in recruiting than ever if they keep pushing this thing up. That was a long-winded quote, but he... He hates it. He hates, hates it. Yeah. Hates it. Um, and I, I think that we can talk a little bit about what that might mean um, for Ohio State if they were to move this up. Yeah, I have... I have a hard... I'm actually not sure how to view the way that Urban Meyer feels about this because in a way I think I agree with him and in another way I think I completely disagree with him. Um, I think the main reason he doesn't want this is because, like you said, he wants the ability to flip kids late in the recruiting process. He's really good at it. He might be the best at it. If he wasn't, Ohio State doesn't have Dwayne Haskins right now and Dwayne Haskins is at Maryland. Um, That's one example. But I also think that... I often think we don't give the kids who are being recruited enough credit in terms of their understanding of the recruiting Mm -hmm. process. And I feel like they should have the option of signing early if they want to sign early. Um, you see a lot of programs pull offers from kids late because they find somebody else, and that, that's not okay either, I don't think. I think it puts a little more onus on the schools to be more diligent in their recruiting, and it gives kids who are 100% sure and have made up their mind the ability to sign early if they want to do that. I don't, even, I don't know how much we'd even see kids take advantage of that. Because it is kind of crazy to sign the Because you don't have to sign it. Right. There's no. It's the same thing. With, like there's two in basketball. It's a common kind of misconception with signing day two is like signing days in February, but you have like a. I think it's a two month period. I think to actually sign your letter. It's just that all the shows and hat shows and all that crap happens on that that first Wednesday in February. Um, I think this, while it would be a drastic change, and uh, a lot of coaches like Urban Meyer would be opposed to it, I think in the end it's probably a good thing because all it does is give kids more options and gives mm-hmm. kids a chance to protect themselves. And if that's like an inconvenience to Urban Meyer who wants to try to flip kids late and other coaches who want to do that, like deal with it. That's It's not your decision, it's the kid's decision. The only thing that would happen for Ohio State is that they would get to sign the kids that are already going to go there no matter what early. So I don't really necessarily know what Ohio State has to gain from it. The only thing that I always would wonder is if a kid does not sign the early – form that would be an indication to a coaching staff that maybe there's a chance they will flip later and i wonder if in creating an early signing period would create a world where either a kid is forced to sign the national letter of intent six months earlier than he would have in today's day Hmm. or be cut out of a class and like that's there's certain things that you know happen uh in, in recruiting where pressure i mean ohio state pressures kids indirectly all the time with it's not a document they have to sign, but take your spot or it's going to get filled by somebody right. else. And it's just one more thing of like when you start getting a legal signature, a document that is binding you to a program before you're a senior, you know, it's nice to give kids options and to ensure that they're going to have a place even before their senior year. That's all well and good, but there will create a scenario where kids are going to feel forced to sign that paper before their seniors and can take official visits. Yeah, and that, I guess that is that's a good counter argument to the to the way I, I think I lean more towards what I just said. But I guess it's possible that that at least part of Urban Meyer, when he rallies against this as strongly as he had on has on several occasions, that he is being genuine and that he doesn't want to see kids pressured. Because um, I'm trying to think of like examples, like Robert Landers, the guy we talked to this week. He wouldn't be at Ohio State right now if there was an if there was an early signing period, right? But no. Robert Landers did say he wouldn't have signed the West Virginia one because he knew his stock was increasing. Because that's a smart kid. But the question that I have is, if he refused a West Virginia 
He's an Ohio kid, a fringe guy for Ohio State when they were recruiting him from a recruiting ranking standpoint. Why didn't? Why wouldn't he have signed it if you create a fake scenario? And what, West Virginia wants you to sign this. You don't sign it. What does West Virginia think? That you're not going to go there, and, they, and I guess you're holding out for what? Right. And they have and then, how do, and then, and then what? Yeah. And then Ohio State never offers, and Robert Landers ends up somewhere worse. Right. And if that's yeah, a gamble. So like, and it. that just makes things a little bit more stressful for the kid, in my opinion. Unless there's a kid who is way swinging above his, like for Michigan's situation where they were cutting kids late in the process last year. If there was an early signing period, maybe Michigan would be, for a lack of better word, stuck with some of the guys they ended up pushing out. And that would be good because you want to protect the kid. Um, you know, it's just not ideal for a prospect if it, 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 if it gets moved up because decommitting is part of the recruiting process. And that's usually an indication that circumstances at a school have changed. Not really with the prospect himself, but what if the kid signs an early commit? or an early signing day, and then the, the coach gets fired in December, which is when all coaches get fired. Right. You know, it, it's just a hard scenario. It's like it's, it's, all, it's already difficult as it is now with the one signing day. And I think that this would create more headaches for everyone involved, not just the coaches, because I think you're making some good points about the kid who, I mean, whoever, a player X from Ohio who's committed to somewhere that's not Ohio State who thinks he might get an offer, and that kid's taking a serious gamble that could like end with him going to a third school that he never even envisioned going to because his gamble didn't pay off. Ohio State did an offer, and the school he was committed to moved on from him because yeah. they were upset or scared or whatever. There's a million reasons why they would do it, and then that's that's obviously not a good thing. And so. that stuff happens now. I mean, I wrote a story about Gavin right. Cup, right. who went to a camp, and Michigan State cut him before he got an Ohio State offer, and there was a chance. Of, but I think a kid under the current system has the right and the opportunity to play out his recruitment as long as he possibly can to see which offers come in late and they can decide when those offers come or they don't come. But that's part of the world and it's unfortunate for smaller programs, but really um, the early signing period would only be a bonus for I think mid-level programs. Yeah. And it could be detrimental at times. I don't, I, I just don't think that you could look at this completely as a hundred percent benefit to the kid because there are scenarios under the new proposed rule where a kid could suffer because of it. This is this will be a loaded question for you because there's a lot that goes into it. But just like first blush, knowing how it's set now and knowing what could be coming down the road, which do you think is better? I like the way it is now. Yeah, I think I think I do too. And they have those because uh, they have the protection for the kid with the um, financial aid agreement, right? If the kid signs the financial aid agreement and the school introduces him, then they're basically bound to him from the school side, but the kid can decommit. Right, because if they if if they start tweeting out graphics about the kid and that kid ends up not going to your school, then it's a second secondary NCAA violation. I mean, when you start going down this rabbit hole, you can come up with a ton of uh, ideas that might not make much sense right now if you don't think about it. But my idea would be, why don't you if the if the school is so I mean, I, the school's so concerned of um, signing a kid, then the national letter of intent. I don't know. I don't even know what you would do. I mean, it's like why you even think go, about pushing it back. Because that, would that make sense? Or if like you had one in February, well, I guess it doesn't make sense either because kids who want to enroll early. Want to enroll early. Be, I mean, I feel like it's in the perfect spot. It and is, the only thing yeah. of it is like we live in a world where the program that we cover is going to beat other programs at any game and any rule they play. So if you're an Ohio State fan, I wouldn't say, oh, no, the world is crashing. If there's an early signing period in June, that means that Urban Meyer is going to start flipping people in May. And right. that's just like – I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it works. And if Urban Meyer wants to – it's just you have to be more more sure because he always talks about recruiting mistakes. And flipping a kid in May before his senior year is literally seven months less of evaluation time Ohio State gets. 
and Robert Landers had to earn his scholarship offer, which was great for Robert Landers, but it also gave Ohio State ample time to actually evaluate, evaluate him and realize yeah. it because what they weren't Robert Landers would be at West Virginia right now, and West Virginia would have a really good player, and Ohio State wouldn't have even had the opportunity to offer to offer or evaluate. So I think it, it's better now, and I don't know if it's just because you're naturally more comfortable with what you know. But what, what's the purpose of the December one? I think it's for the kid, like it's it's for the kid's benefit. If the kid wants to sign and lock in his spot, and that's I mean that's the only thing I can think of. And, I, and lock in his spot at a place that might not necessarily have the same coach in three months. Right. When do most but that's people, the same thing. I mean, yeah. Most coaches get fired in December, don't they? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I don't know. So it's like at least in February you have two months to recover from it. Kids, kids definitely get let out of their letters of intent when coaches get fired. And there's turnover like that, but you're opening the door. It's like a handful of times I feel like that happens in, in a given year. And if you have a signing period in December, are we? What are they trying to do? Like, what do you think that their problem is with the I, recruiting I, process, and what are they trying to fix? I don't know. Because I, if it's committing and decommitting, you can't say that this change is better for the kid to give the kid more power because decommitting is part of the process now. Yeah, I it's, know. Not, I, it's, it's not. Like, there's nothing about like, this that's cut and dry. Think, I think. I think that advocates advocates of this change. View it, yeah. I think they they want to see kids. The word decommitment does not. Mean I don't know what it means in the dictionary. I don't know if it's decommitment as much as it is like what we see at programs when kids get cut late. And I think that, is that an epidemic though? No, but it happens. And I mean, it enough happen, to change if the it happens, if It happens a handful of times a year, and that's too many times. I think more people might lose out on an opportunity than the ones who get cut from a program. And the ones who get cut from a program are usually getting cut from a place like Michigan or Ohio State, which means they could find a place. And I'm not saying it's right. But, you know, there are certain examples of guys that didn't make it in Ohio State's class and still are going to go play Big Ten football. So you're it's saying you, you think if this, if this happens, you think the number of kids who don't sign, say that there's an early signing period, you think the number of kids who don't sign and get penalized for that would be greater than the number of kids who would benefit from a stance of not getting cut out of a class late? Well, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to fix a messy situation by implementing a rule that is going to create another messy situation. Yeah, that's a good so point. If you, so what is the point is what I'm trying to say. So your your point about what programs in Ohio State done it to where they don't want a kid anymore and they have them move on for whatever reason, um, you know, it happens. But by doing this, and that means that Robert Landers doesn't get to reach his full potential of where he wanted to go. Yeah, there's And, like, if you look at Robert Landers' uh, recruiting profile – Let's use him as an example because he's the perfect example. Under the new rule, and I don't want to talk in circles, but West Virginia has a commitment from him. They ask him in June, we want you to sign this letter of intent. Robert Landers, who knows that he's going to see his stock rise, says, no, thank you. I'm still committed, but I still want to play out my options. West Virginia takes that as you're waiting for an Ohio State offer, and if that offer comes, we're going to lose you. His other offers listed on 24-7, Ball State, Bowling Green, Toledo, and Eastern Kentucky. So in that scenario, if Ohio State doesn't offer, there's a chance that Robert Landers is playing football at Bowling Green right now. Is that fair to him? No, of course not. Yeah, no. And I think that that's worse than being cut. It'd be worse if he was an Ohio State commit because when you're an Ohio State commit, you get a ton of offers. And when you're a Michigan commit, you usually get a ton of offers. At least you have options in the other scenario. And this might be a very interesting example, but like no, I mean, but that's a, I think it's a good point, and I think it's again, it's not I'm, I I am not 
strongly leaning one way or the other. It means it's so complicated, but I think like any argument that I would present in favor of it, that is a very valid argument you just gave against it. And you have to understand the difference between a coach like Coach Meyer, uh, Urban Meyer, uh, who's recruiting, and one that's recruiting at a mid-level program. It's easier for Meyer to be so passionately against this early signing period because Ohio State players flip. When you're at Ohio State, players flip to you, not from you. Right. And um, at Ohio State, when you have the stadiums, the facilities, the tradition, the NFL draft, players inherently want to come to Columbus, and that's not going to change. Um, so Meyer can go out and take risks on five-star kids from Texas and if those kids don't pan out and don't want to come to Ohio State, then Meyer likes having the opportunity to come flip a, mid, a kid from a mid-level program like Kentucky or West Virginia. Yeah, and the coaches you're going so to So let's hear, not pretend like the, yeah. like Meyer's only reason for being this against it is because he's worried about the kid. It's also what's best for Ohio State. Right. And a lot of times Meyer only needs to recruit a kid for a month to get him to flip, where West Virginia might have taken six months to get him. And there are plenty of examples like that on Ohio State's ro- roster. Robert, I mean, Dontre Wilson is an example of it. He was recorded yeah. to, I mean, committed to Oregon. Uh, but speeding things up takes options away from the prospect, uh, and that can never be. Are you reading I, your story right now? I'm not. I'm just like looking at it for notes, <laughs> and um, it can never just be a, an ideal scenario. It's it just has to be about the kid. But like I did write um, a little bit about this um, on Cleveland.com. On Cleveland.com, and this so this isn't the first time we're discussing it. But I'm like looking at it, and I just like these are the thoughts that we're having because I already wrote them out, and now. It's actually proposed. I don't it's know. Little, so why was more Urban, real now. Was Urban yeah. Meyer like just ahead of the curve? Like, did he know this was coming? He must have been privy to some talks about it. I mean, it's been talked about for a couple of yeah. years now, I think, because basketball has it and football doesn't. But it's certainly more real than it's ever been. Um, they're not voting until the spring. I think you and I, if someone asked us if they, if they thought that this legislation about early signing periods would pass, I think we'd both say no. And we probably think, both say yes about the satellite. I think in order for you to make a huge change to something that is so important, I think that the change has to be, in my opinion, proven as the great. Um, as better. As like, it's got to be proven to be the remedy. Yeah. You can't change something so that's been the same and so critical to college football without having a real solution. And just changing things to change makes me feel like it's not going to pass. Yeah, because we're not talking about something that's completely broken. It's something that maybe could use some tweaking, but yeah, there. Like I said, we've like we've talked about it for the last ten minutes. There's arguments to both sides. Okay, let's move on from that, um, and we'll wrap up here. Uh, try to wrap up in about ten minutes with some questions about Ohio State recruiting uh, specifically. And if you're listening, uh, feel free to send us questions on Twitter. Uh, about football recruiting, we'll take basketball recruiting questions as well. But I realize football recruiting is probably more at the forefront of your mind, especially right now. Um, so you can send them to us on Twitter at BillLandis25 and at Ari Wasserman. Um, so I'll just give you these questions, Ari, since you are our football recruiting expert. Um, a little bit of news. We're recording this on a Thursday, um, and it was announced on Thursday that Donovan Peoples-Jones, a five-star wide receiver from Detroit, uh, had to alter his plans. He was planning on visiting Florida this weekend uh, because of the hurricane. He canceled that trip and is now officially visiting Ohio State on Saturday for the game against Indiana. Uh, so that's a five-star 2017 wide receiver on campus this weekend. And Dan on Twitter, whose handle is Schultze himself, I think is how you pronounce it, wants to know, now that Donovan Peoples-Jones is visiting... Is he in the mix, and what does that mean for another 2017 receiver, four-star Jalen Harris from Cleveland Heights, who's also unofficially visiting this weekend, correct? Right. They're going to be there together. Um, he's the number one receiver in the country. Right. So they'll take him. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know if there was a planet where Ohio State could take Lindsey Grimes, Harris, and Peoples-Jones. Well, that's the thing, yeah, I should have said to preface the question. Ohio State already has commitments from two five-star receivers and Trayvon Grimes and Tyjon Lindsey. And their, their numbers are tight. And we visited Harris um, this past week, and Harris said that Ohio State told him they'll make it work. I'm under the assumption or the understanding that Ohio State is very behind in Peoples-Jones, Peoples-Jones recruitment. And he was supposed to go to Florida this weekend. Yes. So the whole reason why he's not going to Florida is because of the hurricane. And it's easy to set up an official visit. I know that Ohio State's been involved in his recruitment for a few years now, but I think Michigan is the runaway favorite to land him. Anytime Urban Meyer can host somebody for an official visit, they have a chance to really do something. But Peoples-Jones has been to Ohio State a million times. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to come here and see anything that he hasn't seen yet. If I had to guess right now, um, Ohio State will have three receivers in the 2017 class, Jalen Harris, uh, Trayvon Grimes, and Tyjon Lindsay. I don't see that Peoples-Jones is coming even with a surprise visit. Interesting. Interesting. That's like a way of saying you're an idiot. Well, he was – no, no, no. I think I agree with you <laughs> because it's it's even absurd to think that they would have five or three five-star receivers in the class. And if Peoples-Jones wanted to come, if something happened where all of a sudden Ohio State was the place he wanted to be – it might be tough luck for Harris at that point. Of course, because you know, because like Peoples Jones is the number one. I mean, he's, so, but I just don't think that that's the situation. What I think it is is that it's an easy official visit to schedule on a weekend where he wanted to take one, and the one that he was going to take to Florida had to get canceled because of weather. Okay, uh, thanks for the question, Dan. Uh, we got two questions from Slazroff on Twitter, whose name is Cleveland Rocks with nine million exclamation points. He seems like he's pretty pumped for the Indians. Um, I guess on, on that topic, so you you seem to be of the mind that Donovan Peoples-Jones will not be in the class. So uh, he wants to know, finish, finishing out the 17 class and kind of projecting forward, how many five stars do you think will end up in the class? Okay, they've got six right now. now right now, Ohio State has six committed, and I'll just list them while you rack your brain and see who else could come in. Um, there are Josh Myers, offensive lineman, Wyatt Davis, an offensive lineman, Trayvon Grimes we talked about. Uh, Sean Wade, who's a defensive back from Florida. Chase Young, a defensive end from Maryland. And then Tyjon Lindsey, who's the other receiver we talked about. So six five-stars in the class now. Ari, how many do we think they will finish with once National Signing Day gets here? You said there's five or six. There's six, six right? Six. Yeah. Um, Ohio State had how many in the last – I love you when you do the stat. Oh, I so. forget the stat. It's, uh, uh, in the last four recruiting classes combined, I think they've had two. Nick Bosa and Justin Hilliard. So right now, the five stars that are still on the board are Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle, who is going to be making an official visit for the Michigan game, if I remember that correctly. Jeffrey Okuda, who a lot of people think is already a part of this class silently. Um, But if not, Ohio State is a very big leader for him. He's a safety, correct? Safety from South Grand Prairie, Texas. Um, Cam Akers, running back from Mississippi, who's been a mute, and I have no idea if he's even alive, let alone doing (laughs) interviews. Um, Baron Browning is an outside linebacker um, from Texas. And um, Darnay Holmes, a cornerback from Calabasas, California, I don't think that he's really in the mix anymore. So the question, I think, one, is that will Sean Wade continue to be in this class? Yeah. Because he's committed right now, which goes to the, the six. Um, I don't know. I, I think that Ohio State has a chance to land two, but they also have a chance to lose mm-hmm. Wade. Um, so I will say seven as a conservative, but I think it's possible that they get eight. Really? Okay. Because you think it is possible that Wade, because there's been a lot of talk about Wade flipping out of the class. As long as he's officially visiting other programs or trying to plan it, 
there's a possibility. But you so think? But it's not. I think Ohio State's the leader still. Okay, that's I, what I, mean. I just don't know if it's really hard for me to predict what they're going to do, and I usually don't try to. Um, but I do think that Ohio State's right there with Okuda. Marvin Wilson's taking an official visit late. Cam Akers, I think, has been Ohio State's top running back target outside of Dobbins um, for a few months now. I mean, they've been really, you know, putting the pet. And Baron Browning is also officially visiting. Um, so you've got four more guys coming in. You got six. I think seven's conservative, and that's yeah. a pretty absurd class. Okay, uh, same or same guy, different question. You mentioned Akuda, and he says I don't. Like, I don't want to interrupt you. Sorry, Bill. Yeah. I just want you guys to know that the Michigan game is going to be absurdly stacked with official visits. It's an important game. Uh, it's a big game for Ohio State on the field, but um, that is when uh, Baron Browning, the five-star kid from Texas, is officially visiting, and I think that's when Marvin Wilson's officially visiting. There's gonna be more stars on the field than in the galaxy, so um, <laughs> it's gonna be a big game. I just wanted to interrupt and, and no, it's good. It's important to point out, and we'll we'll get uh, two more questions here, and we'll wrap up. Uh, from the same guy at Slazarov on Twitter says, assuming that Okuda is in, um, he's asking about another player, Bubba Bolden, from Bishop Gorman. Ohio State already has three Bishop Gorman players in its 2017 class already. If Bubba Bolden, who I know you watched on television last week and were, were pretty taken aback by, by how good he was, if he wanted to commit today, would Ohio State take him? I think they would. I didn't think that was the case when they offered him. But the thing you have to understand is... First of all, he's really good. Is he a safety or a linebacker? Safety. safety. And he uh, was committed to USC at one point. So it's not like it's just some guy. Two, he goes to Las Vegas, Nevada, Bishop Gorman, which is where Ohio State has three teammates committed right now. Tate Martell, the quarterback, of course. Lindsey, the receiver. And Haskell Garrett, the defensive tackle. They're not going to be sending out non-committable offers to a kid that goes to that program right now. Yeah. Um, and I just... It's like, are they a take? Yeah, they're a take. But what if all of them want to come at once? It's like weird because it's like we don't know how much their recruiting class is going to be. Uh, Danny Clark recently decommitted. That opens up another spot. So they have 16 commitments in their class right now. I think they can get up to 21 or 22 and still feel pretty good about their space. Um, He's a take right now. It's just a matter of if he's a take in two months if he waits. And that – that ties into the last question we were asked um, by Jack, whose Twitter handle is at OH. They've got 17 commits, not 16, sorry. 17 commits. Jack on Twitter at OH underscore IO2. Uh, bringing back something we talked about in our on our Wednesday podcast uh, earlier this season about Ohio State's numbers crunch. You mentioned the number of commitments. Uh, they only have six seniors on this roster, right? Clearly something needs to change, um, and he wants to know if anything has changed as the numbers crunch is concerned, um, meaning players who could leave early, um, players who have career-ending injuries. This podcast is going to go over an hour now. No, I, I think the, the simple answer to that is we don't know. I mean, clearly there are guys, there are guys, there that are are guys who are playing now who we knew nothing about, who if you told us are going to leave early after this year, we're not going to think you're crazy. And that wouldn't have been the case when I wrote the story, right? And we didn't we didn't play that game when we when we did that podcast when you wrote. But that we story. did give them an, we gave them some cushion though. We gave them a lot of cushion. So when we did the story, we gave them short. ten spots. Yeah, ten spots extra. So sixteen total departures, including the seniors. Right. So we don't know specifically who or why or how they're going to leave, but sixteen is 
10 extra from the ones that are definitely going. Right, and they had nine early departures last year, which so, was crazy. And we've talked about how that's going to become more of a norm, but 10. So, like, if Malik Hooker or Marshawn Lattimore, Lattimore are the two surprises who end up going to the NFL for this year, that's only two spots out of the 10 extra that we gave them. Right, and they still need more. So they still need a lot more. Especially so, if they want to get up to the 22 that you just said. If they get the 22, they're going to be like, I don't remember the, the numbers. You can check it out. Yeah, there's a story uh, on this, and I'm sure Jack just will type ask a in question. Ohio right State, right. drastic numbers crunch. My story will come up. Um, but things have changed to answer your question, but it's all in flux based on how many they take, and it's still a mess. And it's it's it's, a, it's not like it's solved because Danny Clark's not committed anymore. They've got a lot of work to yeah, do. Yeah, people got very excited about that decommitment. Um, it didn't really do much to change anything because they were already in a mess before he decommitted. And if they take one other player that they wouldn't have taken before, then it's numbers the same. They're back in the same position yeah. as they were before. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's going to continue to be interesting to monitor, and we'll certainly be all over that. Um, as National Sign of the Approaches and as the season draws to an end. Uh, but we'll wrap this podcast up now. Uh, that was our recruiting show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Again, uh, we'll do this every other Friday. Uh, if you have questions, hit us on Twitter, and we'll answer them during the podcast like we did today. Uh, and be sure to read our Ohio State football and recruiting coverage on cleveland.com slash OSU. And if you're listening to this podcast, we uh, please ask that you might rate and uh, – Give us a review on iTunes. You can search Buckeye Talk on iTunes. You can find us there and tell us if you think we're horrible or if this was the best podcast you've ever listened to. Uh, but until next time, for Ari Wasserman, I'm Bill Landis. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk.